0: Scripture readings, and there are three Scripture readings. One uh, that I will read from Genesis chapter nine, and then we will join together responsively in reading uh, Psalm seventy-seven, and then we will read Hebrews chapter six, verses thirteen through twenty. If you'll note the the context of all of these passages, all the passages. To which we'll be referring today, the, the title and the message of this, of this that we are looking at more intently are the promises of God. What has he promised us? So Genesis chapter 9, verses 7 through 17, hear the word of the Lord, and you be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you. As many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. And then responsibly from Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days
1: old, the years long ago.
0: I said, Let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. You see, your path, your yet your
1: footprints were unseen. You led your people by a thought by the hand of Moses and Aaron.
0: And now from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. For when God made a promise to Abraham... the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope. That enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Before we look at Genesis chapter 9 and others. I want to go before the Lord our God in prayer. We have many who are on our prayer list, um, but also I want to add a couple of to that. Uh, Rick just informed me a little while ago that uh, the Reverend Bill Hogan was taken to the hospital yesterday. Um, so we want to be in prayer, don't know why, but we want to be in prayer for Bill and for Jane. And also, John Coates was taken to the hospital, so we need to be in prayer for John and Allison as well. And I'll I'll be praying for others, but let's go before the Lord our God in prayer, before the one who can reach past any of the boundaries of our lives and touch the bodies and the hearts and minds of those that we love and grant to them his great healing power. Let's pray. Our Father, as the choir just sang, we, we come before the one who is indeed love, for that is how you have, you have been revealed to us, that God is love, and it is a love in Jesus Christ that we have, nothing can separate us from it. I pray that you would communicate that special love by your Holy Spirit to Bill Hogan and to Jane as she uh, cares for him, also to John and Allison Coates. We pray, Father, for your continued healing over Freddie Griffin and Grace Jones, for Phil Halley, for Eileen Wood, for Francis Montgomery, for Khaki Wright. We thank you for the promises that they have in Jesus Christ that you are the one who brings healing to their bodies and to their souls. May they know the presence of your Holy Spirit, your encouraging presence that comforts them and heals them. Father, we also know the joys that you bring into our lives, and we thank you for the joy that you've brought into the lives of the Kearnies. I pray that you would be with Amelia and with baby Ford, that you would bless them, that you would heal Amelia, and that you would give them the overwhelming joy of a new life in their home as they, as they seek to raise him up. in the covenant promises that we have in Jesus Christ I pray that you would show them your faithfulness to your covenant promise and bless them. Now, Father, we do thank you for the work that you're doing in the PCA and the General Assembly. We pray that you would continue that work and that you would continue to knock knock down strongholds against your word, that you would shore up those weaknesses in our denomination and that you would give to all who watch the reminder that you are the one, Jesus, that you are the Lord of the church, her head, and that you will not permit anyone to fight against her indeed, that you will cause her to fight against the gates of hell. But may we do so with your word. We ask this. In the name of our Savior, the one indeed who is speaking even now, remind us that we need your voice, Jesus. Those who hear and the one who speaks, we need your voice. So speak, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You hear a lot these days over these last several years, indeed. By the way, some of you, and you know who you are, have said to me, well, okay, what, are, what controversial thing are you going to be preaching on today? And I've said, I'm not. I am not. Some of you are disappointed. Some of you are happy. But I am, this This sermon is about the promises that we have in God as we look at where we are in this world. The promises that we have. We speak a lot about this thing called the quote-unquote new normal. And I know that many of you have gotten tired of hearing about the new normal. Well, we've had many new normals over the past several years. These are sometimes sudden, big changes. Sometimes they are negative. Sometimes they're positive. But they alter, these changes alter the world in which we live in such a way that a lot of people don't think we can go back to the way things were. Uh, Sometimes that's true. Uh, Typically, these negative things, sometimes they're universal. Sometimes they're local or personal. Uh, The days and years following the dropping of the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan, we entered into a new normal. There's no going back. We now live in that world where constantly people are under the threat of some sort of nuclear war. The pandemic, unfortunately, created a new normal for many. A new normal in mindset, a new normal in our culture, a new normal in in our families and in churches. On a personal level, major changes like the death of a loved one or, you know, you move to another city or a change in careers... The birth of a child is a joyous new normal. But, the, but those things that alter our lives, and we have to adjust. Most psychologists tell us that these are measurements that they use to determine people's stress level, to give them a grade of stress level. So if you have some of these major changes, the death in the family, there's a divorce, or there's a move, or a change in career, all these things, if you have all those things at once, you're at a real risk of having some st- severe stress in your life, and they try to tell you how to deal with those stressors. Noah and his family have suffered a major, major stress event. God has just destroyed the world by a universal flood. And up to the moment, it is believed by many, up to that moment, there was, a, there, was, there was no rain per se. That the water, the plants and the flora and everything were watered from springs that came up from the ground. And that when God unleashed the, the waters that were around the atmosphere of the earth, that he, when he released those, that at that time, it began a process of raining, what we have as our hydrological system of evaporation, and then rain, and then moving on, all of that. I'm not a scientist. So we know, though, that that was Noah's new normal. That was a new normal for Noah and his entire family. If you can only imagine, some have said, I can see why the man got drunk. Um, it, it is a major stressful event. And every time it rained after that, what do you think passed through Noah's mind? Is this going to happen again? Imagine some of the delusions we have had and Noah being in those delusions that we've had and suddenly going, "Uh uh-oh. This time God didn't talk to me. He didn't tell me to go build an ark this time. I must be about to be destroyed. So God condescends and he gives him a sign and a promise. Amazing sign. Beautiful sign. A bow in the sky. So listen to listen to Genesis 9, 7 through 17 again. Beginning in verse 8. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. There are three aspects, three points that we're going to cover. Number one, the giver of the promise. Number two, the meaning of the promise. And number three, the purpose of the promise. Just three points. The giver of the promise. Why is that so crucial? Why is the giver of the promise so necessary, so important for us to grasp? Because he says it. This is not not something that Noah came to God to get. He didn't say to God, listen, when it rains again, how do I know that you're not going to do this again? He didn't say that. God came to Noah. He came to Noah. He condescended to Noah's need. He knew him. He knew exactly what he needed. He knew what his fears would be. He knew what the fears of all creation would be, but he knew what his children feared most. And he said, I've got to show them that this is over. And he said, I'm going to put a bow in the clouds so that you will see that I mean what I say. You'll see it. You'll remember. And I don't lie. I don't lie. This is is so crucial for us to understand. Look at Numbers 23 19. This is when Balaam, the false prophet, the evil prophet, is forced to prophesy by God what God gave him, what God put in his mouth. He couldn't give what he wanted to give, a curse. So God gave him these words in verse 19 of chapter 23 of Numbers. He said, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man, that he should change his mind? Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? This is the character of our God. He doesn't lie. He does not bring us promises and then say, eh, you know, I guess I didn't really, you know, I'm taking that back. Notice the one-sided nature of this. God's not demanding of Noah that Noah uphold something to receive this promise. He is saying, I will uphold my promise. This is the nature of God's covenant. This is the nature of his covenant with Abraham. When you remember when he, when he took Abraham out in the middle of the night and he promised him that he would make him the father of many nations. And he said, lay out these animals, cut them up, set them out there. And then he made Abraham to go into a deep sleep. And Abraham saw the vision of God in the form of a fiery pot going in between the pieces and declaring his faithfulness. And what was that all about? God was saying, if I fail to uphold my promise to you, may I be cut apart, split apart, just like these animals. But notice, who didn't have to go between the pieces? Abraham. Abraham. God knew Abraham wasn't going to be able to uphold his end of the deal perfectly in any stretch of the imagination. But God did. God did. That is what he's saying to Noah. He's saying, I will do this. I will do it. I am the God who sees all. I am the God who doesn't lie. I am faithful to my promise. So why is it so hard for us to believe? Why is it so hard for us in our lives to trust God for his promises? And don't tell me you do. Not perfectly. I know you don't. Because you're still a sinner, just like me. We, we do doubt, we do have fears, we do have struggles, when we see things in our families that we don't like, and we're thinking, God, are, are you abandoning us? Are you leaving us? Years ago, um, our family went to study at Brie in England, and We were leaving a church in Indiana and going over there with our, at that time, our four children, and we went over, um, and our two older children were really not happy about the move. Um, Wesley, our oldest son, had just finished reading the um, C.S. Lewis uh, trilogy, or not trilogy, but series of the Chronicles of Narnia, and he was enthralled with the Chronicles of Narnia, and so I had this great idea because he was really unhappy. I said, listen, I said, when we go, we'll make the trip and we'll go up and we'll visit C.S. Lewis's house. Well, you know, that was great. I mean, that promise, that was it. We were going to go and we're going to see C.S. Lewis's house. We're going to visit it. So we got through lots of, we, had, we were there for three months. And we had a period of time where we were able to get away for a little bit. So we took the train up to C.S. Lewis's house. We made the bus trip from the train station up to where the kilns were, are, and we went up to the door, knocked on the door, and it was by appointment only. I mean, and the man who was living there, the overseer, that he was very rigid, strict, no not unless you call ahead and make an appointment can you come into C.S. Lewis's house. So I made the dark trek back from the front door to the sidewalk where my family was waiting, and I told them the news. And Wesley was crestfallen. His, the crocodile tears were just coming down his face, his chin quivering and everything else. You promised. Parents, some of you know what that's like. You promised. The disappointment that we feel. That's why we don't trust the promises, because we're attributing our fallen nature, our frailty, to our Heavenly Father. And He doesn't have those frailties, He doesn't have those issues. He keeps His promises. When He declares it, it's true. It will happen. That is what he has promised. That's why it's important to know who the giver of the promise is. We have the giver of the promise, then we have the meaning of the promise. The meaning of the promise. Have you ever looked out? There's 13 to 14 years ago, I saw a video that was out somewhere. It was on YouTube or something. And there was this man... And he was overlooking the Grand Canyon. And there was this perfect, bright, double rainbow that appeared in front of him. And he was just ecstatic. He was overjoyed. It really was a beautiful sight. But the more he he just went on and on about this rainbow, he he began to weep at its beauty. I mean, you can go watch it now even, but it's... He, there was so much, some people played it even on on the news broadcast because it was so extraordinary, but he was weeping and laughing as he saw this thing. I don't know if he was a believer or not, but people started making fun of it, of his reaction. Folks, his reaction was more of a Christian reaction than most Christians I know who look at rainbows. Have you ever looked at the bold colors and the magnificence of a rainbow? It is extraordinary. It's astounding. It is amazing. I, I've seen three um, in my life that I really was blown away by. One, we were out in Sedona, Arizona, and it was early one morning. There had been a rain shower And I had a cup of coffee, and I was walking around outside, and it just, it hit me. It was just tremendously bold. It was almost touchable. And I was, I couldn't find anybody. Everybody else was still in bed, and I was like, ah, I want to show somebody. And immediately, I was thinking back to what God said. He said, when you see it, know that I see it. I see it. And I remember my covenant. But why a bow? Think about that. Why a bow? Why did God give us a bow? Well, the word that's actually used there in Genesis is that for a warrior's bow. A battle bow. A bow that is used in fighting and killing. It's the same thing. Except this bow isn't aimed at us. Ever think about that? This bow is aimed up. We have nothing to fear. That God has taken the punishment upon himself in his son, Jesus Christ, who will come. But God was saying, I'm not going to destroy you again by the flood, even though... The meditations of your heart are always sinful all the time. I won't destroy you like that again. He made a promise, and he aims it back at himself. Wow. Beautiful. An amazing grace. Look at at Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 4. Verses 1 through 4. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness, and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Do you know all those promises that that God has given throughout His Word, beginning in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, where He declares that there's one who's coming who will crush the serpent's head? All the way, Noah, Abraham, David, all the way, promises, covenants, promises that came, they were all intended to point us to the ultimate promise that was to come through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Every single one of them. But they weren't just pointing us in that direction. They were building our faith, building our faith in that direction. God put, it up, put the rainbow out there. It builds your faith for the next covenant promise that comes, that God was faithful then, he'll be faithful here. That's why God, when he goes, when you see him talking To his people, you know, hundreds and thousands of years after the exodus, he says to his people, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. They weren't in slavery. The people way back there were in slavery. They were in Egypt. So what was he saying? Was he saying, "I'm, I'm that God, I'm not this other God. No, he's pointing them back to his faithfulness in the past so that they will know that he is capable and he will be faithful in the present. Remember that as we look at the purpose of the promise. The promise was that the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Was that just to comfort Noah? No, it was that. It was to give him that comfort. Like we said, that's a whole new normal for Noah. No, nobody else is around. It's just him and his three sons and his wife and their wives and all their animals and everything else. It's just them. And so he is doing that. He's comforting them. He's telling them that he'll be faithful, that they'll, they will be multiplying and filling all the earth and everything else, and that he'll keep them to assure Noah and his family But this rainbow was also intended to comfort and to encourage us. It's meant for that purpose. How do I know that? Well, next time we have this great big thunderstorm outside and you see the sun come up, step outside and tell me what you see sometimes. You see a rainbow. It's still there. It's still there. It's still there to point you back to the one who saves you, who holds you, who keeps you. I know you're all waiting for me to draw attention to the fact that the rainbow has been hijacked by the LGBTQ community and all of that. Okay, listen, I deter- that does bother me. really does bother me. But let me tell you this. Listen, the next time you see that, the next time you see a rainbow bumper sticker and you know what they're doing or you see it on the wall of some building or you see a, you know, whatever. Turn it back around. At least in the depths of your soul. Remember his covenant promise to you. To you. That that, that is a sign of his covenant indeed. But it is yours. It belongs to you because your heavenly Father gave it to you. Claim it back. But also, know that He does that to comfort and assure us in the certainty of the promises that we have now. What are those promises? Well, look in your Bibles, it's not on your sheet. But if you have your Bible, look at it or pull it up on your, on your phone, device, whatever you got. John chapter 6, John chapter 6, verse 40. By the way, while you're looking that up, I was told uh, recently that the late Harry Reader had, uh, who was a pastor who died earlier the, in the last couple of months... He would say, reading the Bible on your electronic device is something like kissing your wife through a screen door. (laughs) I like that. That's kind of nice. So, but look at it on your device or in your Bible and hear it. For this is Jesus speaking. John chapter 6, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father. That everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Do you see the promises? They're promises. I mean, it's such an incredible thing. It says, yes you will be you will have eternal life if you believe on Jesus Christ and trust that he paid the price in full for your sin and that you will receive his righteousness imputed to you by the holy spirit of god you have that but he didn't stop there because we've all been to the gravesite we've all been there we've placed loved ones in the grave and we've walked away from that grave And we, if you're a Christian, I hope you'll remember this every time. That grave will explode with life one day. When Jesus returns, according to his promise, that we will be raised up on the last day. Our bodies will be resurrected. They will be glorified bodies. We won't deal with all of this fallen nature stuff. It will be perfect. That's his promise. He gives us that promise. And he builds on the certainty of his promise as he fulfills promise after promise after promise. And we can look back on those promises and say, yep, he did it then. Yep, he did it there. Yep, he did it there. And I know he's going to do it there. Because he's faithful. We have all sorts of promises like that. Look over at Romans. Romans chapter 8. Again, it's not on your scripture sheet. I didn't have a room. But listen to this promise. The Apostle Paul writes, beginning in verse 33 of Romans chapter 8, he says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. Folks, I mean, wow! Nothing! Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. (laughs) That's just amazing. You ever think about what nothing else means? When Paul says nothing else in all creation, what what else is there? Well, you can think of stuff, can't you? Stuff he didn't name here, but it's certainly within the creation. Have you ever thought about your sin? Your sin cannot separate you from the love of God that you have in Christ Jesus your Lord. Praise God. You can't mess it up. He will hold you. He sanctifies. He disciplines. Absolutely he does. But he won't let you go. Mm. I remember um, Beverly Penner. You remember the Penner's in the nursery? Beverly Penner, after Raymond died, um, I was sitting with her talking about some things, and she had a box. She had a little box that had cards in it in her, in her living room. Now, I, I can't do Ms. Penner's voice, but it was it a was very recognizable voice, and she would say, now, Pastor Bryant... She'd say, I, I have these promises that I keep. My mother gave these to me, and I've been memorizing them, and I read them every day, and I go through these cards, and I move the ones to the back that I've read, and she said, I just hold on to these promises. And you know, there's sometimes I know, I'm doing her voice, aren't I? Sometimes I know that when I sin, I don't want to run away from God. I want to run to Him. Because of his promises. Because of his promises. I want to get closer to him. She said it like this. When I was a little girl, when I would do something wrong and my daddy was going to spank me, she said, I I would run up and just wrap my arms around his legs and hold on tight and get as close as I could because I knew he couldn't get a good swing when I was right there next to him. I love that. What a picture. You have a father who promises you that he will never, ever leave you. He will never forsake you. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not Hebrews 6. Look at Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verses 5 through 6. It's not on your sheet. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's something in the translation that we, we miss there. Because if they were going to translate it in a truly wooden sense, in a truly strict sense, it would read something like this. I will never, never, no never, no never, no never. Leave you, and I will never, no, never, no, never, no, never forsake you. You see the emphasis. It is meant to say, it is impossible. It's impossible for me to leave you, for I have united myself to you by the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. I can't separate. It would be like saying that the Godhead itself could be torn apart. He's given you that deposit. He'll never leave you. That's his promise. A God who cannot lie. So we see the rainbow. And the rainbow reminds us that he is a faithful God. Isaiah 54, 8 through 10. He's speaking to his people. He says, In overflowing anger, for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me. Do you see that? God makes the connection. This is like the days of Noah to me. As I swore that the waters of Noah should, be, should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. He tells you. He makes the connection. You don't have to believe me. Believe him. It's that certain. It's that sure. Your eternal hope, the hope of the resurrection, Some of you may know the name of the man who wrote the hymn that the choir just sang for us. It's George Matheson. I'm going to tell you about George Matheson. George Matheson was a Scottish minister in the late 1800s. And as George Matheson prepared for seminary, um, he went blind. He was totally blind, couldn't see. And he was engaged to be married, and his fiancée, left him because she didn't want a blind husband. And so his sister, his sister faithfully went through his studies with him. She read him the books. This was before Braille. She read him the books. She, she helped him with the note-taking and everything else, and she was with him all the way. And George Matheson wrote the hymn that the choir sang on the night that his sister got married, he was so depressed. He was losing his eyes from his standpoint. And he said that this hymn came to him um, in, a, in a period of about 15 minutes. It came to him. I'm going I'm to read a portion of it to you, the third stanza. He says, O oh joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain. And feel the promise is not vain, that morn shall tearless be. Only that's not the way he wrote it. The way George Matheson wrote that stanza of that hymn was entirely different. It was, O oh joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I climb the rainbow in the rain, and feel the promise is not vain, that morn. Shall tearless be. According to Matheson, the hymnal committee of the Church of Scotland desired the change of one word. They wanted him to change, take out, climb, and put in trace. Apparently, this was too fanciful for them. We couldn't have proper Scottish men and women in their fine apparel singing silly songs like climbing rainbows, perhaps the children and their fanciful imaginative minds, but not for us. Change that, please, sir. So he did. The problem was, George Matheson could not trace a rainbow. He couldn't see it. I want you to hear this. When you're in the flood of life, When you've got the trials and tribulations and the persecutions, children who are rebelling or grandchildren who are wayward and you don't know, and you think to yourself, I just got a bad diagnosis and I'm going to have to deal with this. God, are you still there? And you're in that storm. You cling to the promise. You hold tight to the promise. George Matheson was not safely, warmly, comfortably back in his manor house, tracing the rainbow nicely through the window. He couldn't do that. He was out in the rain. He was out in the storm, clawing, struggling through the mud and the muck trying to get to the promise of God, feeling everywhere for it. And when he laid hold of it, he dug his fingers into it and he began to climb the promise that God had given to him. Folks, we have the promise. So when those times come and you're in that battle, you're in that storm, you're in those difficulties, hold fast to His promises. When you think you can't see straight, you cling to the promises. That's all you've got. And it's all we need. The Lord Jesus has given us wonderful promises. He tells us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He tells us that he'll send to us a comforter as he goes. He goes to prepare a place for us. He is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit of God is interceding for us with words that can't be imagined. We have tons of promises. I couldn't even list. I started to make up a list to hand out to you that you could look at. Look them up. There are so many promises to us in Jesus Christ that you cannot even begin to imagine. Set them in your heart because there will come storms and you will need to cling to his faithfulness, not yours. Because remember, his promises are one-sided. You're not faithful. Oh, we had periods of faithfulness, I know. But ultimately, if it were not for his faithfulness, we would have let go a long time ago, but we do have a love that will not let us go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh Father, you know the hearts and minds of all your people, and you know the, my heart and my mind. There's nothing I can hide from you. You know the struggles of faith. You know the doubts. You know the fears. You know the trials in which we are tempted to think that you don't care. Mm. Forgive us and point us back to the fact that you are love defined and you will not let us go. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus for the union that we have in you. Strengthen us in that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you join me in standing to sing hymn number 708, O oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. Please stand. <laughs> Christian, look up and receive the Lord's benediction, the one who has given to you promises and longs for you to hold on to those tightly. Look up and receive his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.